So many Champions League twists and turns to talk about in today's episode of The Gagging Pot and a manager sacking hot off the press. David Wiener with you to talk about that and so much more. Joined by Paul Ocon and Thomas Sorensen. Can't wait for this chat. Let's get started. Paolo, Thomas, good morning to you. Been a big morning this morning and it just got a little bit bigger because by the time we finished the post-game show on Opta Sport and we've begun this podcast, Napoli coach Carlo Ancelotti is no longer in charge. The first man to take Napoli through undefeated in the Champions League and he's gone. Your immediate reaction, Paolo? Yeah, look... uh it's not an unsurprising decision, um, given what's sort of uh, happened over the past uh, uh, couple of weeks there in, in Naples. Um, uh, so, yeah, no surprise. Uh, probably, um, I would say, premeditated from, um, from the chairman, uh, Di Laurentiis. Um, it seems to me as if uh, he's waited until this uh, uh, phase of the Champions League um, is over um, to secure Napoli... Uh, for the next round, uh, make sure that the Champions League uh, uh, income continues uh, before uh, firing the bullet. Pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it shows that uh, Naples is a tough place. You know, it's it's one thing to be a, a coach and, and try to get that to work, but you, you got all the politics and, and all the things behind the scenes as well. And, and you know, it's been well, well documented that there's been a, a lot of things going on and, um, you know, some players and, and the manager eventually as well trying to break with some of the traditions and, and not going to training camp and obviously causing a, a big stir among fans and the president. So I think it's just been some wounds that you know haven't been able to heal, no matter what the results. And the league, you know, talks for itself; they haven't played well. But you would think a manager that gets them undefeated through the Champions League will still be in his job, but uh, not the case. Yeah, seventh in the league, Paolo. Is it was were they on a slippery slope with Ancelotti, regardless, or has the off-field boardroom interference is that what has completely destroyed this season and arguably ended? Uh, well, what do we say in Australia? The premiership window ended Napoli's era of, of trying to claim the Serie A. Yeah, look, I think um, the investment made by uh, by the owner Di Laurentiis um, and the fact that Napoli uh, this season have um, you know not been anywhere near you know, probably his expectations in terms of competing uh, with Juventus at the top of uh, the Serie A ladder. So uh, it, it seems to me where, uh, that he's you know totally ignored. Uh, the fact that they went through undefeated in the Champions League, they won three games, uh, drew three, you know, again in a tough group with uh, uh, with Liverpool, uh, and the fact that when he did uh, demand the training camp uh, as a punishment, it was said that it wasn't, but it, you know, let's be honest, it was a punishment, and 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 the fact that uh, Ancelotti did side uh, with the players and went against his wishes was probably then the moment. Uh, that his fate would uh, would eventually be uh, sealed. Hence, um, you know, he's sacking uh, post-game. But Gennaro Gattuso, he's the name that everyone's linking. Is, is that the way forward? I'm not too sure. Uh, certainly, if you go by uh, last season or, or uh, the, the past two years at, at AC Milan, um, his, team's, uh, his team performed uh, inconsistent. Um, but you know, let's be honest. AC Milan is, you know, not the AC Milan that that uh, uh, we once knew. Uh, so look, you know, Napoli is a very, very difficult place uh, to operate in. Um, you know, the on-field stuff is is super, super difficult. But uh, what's even more uh, daunting is everything that happens uh, off the field. And when you have a chairman that uh, doesn't really, I think, understand the dynamics of uh, of what football's about, um, he's coming from a different world—the the, the movie world, the cinema world. It's totally different, and uh, um, you know, it is a very, very difficult place to operate in. Uh, speaking of the movie world, we saw a great glimpse of Naples in the Diego Maradona movie recently. <laughs> it's 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 something we probably don't comprehend, right? And and a different furnace to what most other managers in the world of football operate in. 
Yeah, um, and it seems especially in, in Italy, you know, you know, Berlusconi was was a huge influence, and uh, you know, you have these owners that that you know want total control. Yeah, you know, I I prefer, and you know, Paolo, you've been a manager, you probably prefer an owner that takes a little bit of a backstep and let 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 you sort of sort out the on field. But but I think, you know, they're constantly in your ear, they're constantly trying to influence what's going on, and and yeah, you know, the Maradona film, I think. You know, you would hope that times have changed a bit, but but it still gives you an insight in what what goes on in Naples and and all all the things behind the scenes. Do you have any experiences from Naples from when you played in Syria? No, but uh, at my time at uh, Lazio in my last year, I, I played together with a, a player who was actually uh, a youngster in the Napoli team uh, during that period of Maradona, and uh, um, he summed it up in one word: chaos. Um, you know. You know, for those people that have seen the film, would would understand uh, exactly uh, what it was like uh, back then um, for Napoli as a city, as a, as a football club, and also for, for Maradona. It is it is more than life. Um, so when things are going well, um, it's probably the best place in the world to be as a footballer and as a fan and to live in Naples. But when things aren't going so well, it's probably the worst. Uh, place um, as a player you, you, you'd want to be and, and you know, we've seen over the past couple of weeks uh, it was reported that uh, some of the Naples, uh, the Napoli players sorry, um, uh, had their uh, houses broken into so you know those sort of stories if they are true are, aren't really what you uh, would expect um, but that's just the nature of, uh, uh, of what a, a city like uh, Napoli is. Yeah and I think when, when you live in as a player in those hotspots, you know, it's just hard to escape because, you know, yeah, you, you, you're talking about when things are going well, but then you're still getting mocked and everyone's a piece, everyone wants a piece of you. And, and then when things are not going well, you know, the frustration is going to be taken out and, you know, like, you know, they don't care if, if, if you were here two weeks ago, you know, yeah. they'll, you know, smash your car or rob your house like they've done. If they're, you know, not, uh, you know, I heard the story from, uh, from a Danish player that, that, that played in uh, in Greece and, and they got invaded at the training ground and they were trying to break into, they had to barricade the dressing room because the, the fans try to beat the players up and, and you, then it sort of just takes on a a different, uh, you know, than just football. It's it's, it's, a, it's a whole nother level and, and I think those players, it, it can eventually become a huge distraction. Interesting stuff. Uh, just quietly, Carlo Ancelotti, he might be pulling out those cigars that he's got in his dressing room locker of today because there's so many sackings going on in the world of football and some interesting availabilities. His stock, has that plummeted or has he joined that group of managers now who can probably sit back and watch the dominoes fall over the next couple of months? Yeah, most certainly. Um, a lot of those teams uh, um, at this stage of the season, that would be uh, looking to bring in a new manager, I think, certainly in the English Premiership, would, would be looking at uh, one important ingredient and that's EPL. Uh, experience certainly when you make a, a change uh, throughout the season and and he has that um, and he has had success uh, in the premiership uh, with Chelsea so uh, unlike uh, um, unfortunately for uh, for Emery Carlo Ancelotti won't have uh, a language barrier uh, <laughs> issue he speaks very very good English and uh, um, is certainly someone that uh, I think Arsenal could bring in and wouldn't need a big uh, amount of time to uh, to settle in. I don't think Ancelotti will be worried one bit right now, just quietly. Um, so that was a 4-0 win for Napoli to end the Ancelotti era. As I said a bit earlier, undefeated in the group stage. They go through with Liverpool, who was a really terrific contest this morning at the 5am kickoff against Salzburg. I think Salzburg have been terrific value um, in the Champions League and really made Liverpool sweat. Alisson made some big saves early doors, but then the prowess of Liverpool stood up with Naby Keita and Mohamed Salah. What a finish. Um, do we read much into this, Thomas? I think it was, was always a case of business as usual for Liverpool as they tend to do this season. Yeah, it's just a professional performance. Um, you know, they were, weren't at their best. I think Salzburg and, you know, Haaland was, is a handful and, and, and they, they really pressed and, and, and tried to, 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 to get a result. But it's sometimes, you know, these top teams and, you know, they, they have that confidence and that quality that they just need a couple of chances, even though Salam is two absolute Crazy. sitters in the first half. Uh, that's unlike him. You know, he still came up with the goods late on from an impossible angle, uh, managed to squeeze it in. So I think, you know, Liverpool, 
you know they they'll grind out the results when when they're not playing well and you know again to me they're they're still the favorites to to win this Champions League Naby Keita, he's come back into the fold recently in, in a month where Liverpool are going to play two games in two continents in the space of 48 hours. That kind of depth is just another little thing, Paolo, is it not, that says everything's ticking along for them this season? Yeah, you're spot on. I think um, the, the, the big question mark for Liverpool will be exactly what happens in this period because, as you mentioned, they've got a crazy am- uh, uh, amount of uh, games coming up. Um, and although they have that... Uh, uh, buffer over over Man City, um, you know you can never underestimate how quickly it can turn around. And and if they have uh, some injuries, yeah, which up until now he hasn't had uh, uh, to change his squad that that often, um, which has kept the momentum going. Uh, yeah, performances like Cater this morning will uh, really give uh, Klopp a, a lot of confidence that he can probably during this period is. Uh, mix it up a bit and 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 rest players uh, when he uh, when he feels it's necessary. Yeah, we've sort of do that, I guess. Sadio Mane set out the more recent game. Salah, the one before that in the league. Dejan Lovren went off injured today, so that's another one to look at as well. But you talk about that gap. I uh, can't wait next week and then the week after to talk about the Boxing Day clash with Leicester. It's on at seven a.m. in the morning here in Australia, and that's going to be absolutely brilliant to watch. Moving on to what was our main game this morning: Barcelona versus Inter Milan. The understrength Barcelona got the job done. Inter. It's the first time they've ever crashed out the Champions League in consecutive seasons in their in their history, and it was Dortmund who cashed in. Um, this was a missed opportunity, though, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, looking at you know going into the game, we were we were talking about you know the the, the chance into obviously in their strongest lineup uh, at home. You know, with with Conte, uh, you know, a, a tactically astute manager against a a young. Uh, young Barcelona side without Messi, uh, and and that's you know that's a huge bonus and exactly what you want. But you know that even though they dominated um, the first half, weren't quite at the races in front of goal. I thought they they lacked a bit of composure, and again, more or less the first time Barcelona got uh, down the other end, it, it was it was a goal, and um, you know it just it just wasn't there. And I didn't take their chances. You know, again, you know, we talked about Liverpool and and them just, you know, coming up with it with the, you know, that little bit of quality at times. You know, Lukaku had you know an absolute sitter at a crucial point where, you know, he 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 could have uh, got into two one up, didn't, and then uh, a youngster that we probably would be talking about in a, in in many years to come, Fatty, comes up with a, with a winner, and uh, that was the story of the night. Conte, this is really interesting because he'll, uh, he's missing a few players through injury. We, we saw him talk in the press earlier this season. The top of the league in, in Syria, obviously. Uh, how is this going to affect the dynamic of their season? Is, is this disappointment going to drag them down or is this going to help them? It's going to be really interesting to see how Conte reacts here, isn't it? Oh, look, I don't think it'll drag him down. He'll be certainly uh, disappointed because... Um you know, as a player, he was a fierce competitor, and we, you know, we, we joke, we often joke about him uh, and his body language yeah. on the sidelines, and and we saw that again this morning uh, during the, the the Barcelona game. I think, you know, from where Inter was uh, a few seasons ago, uh, and also last season, to where they are now, top of the Serie A, and 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 let's not forget, Juventus has had. Um, you know, almost before every season, um, they're both hands already on the Serie A title, and 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 at the moment, uh, Inter is is up there uh, competing against them. So, uh, it's not the Champions League, but the, you know, another competition that they go into the Europa League, which uh, they certainly have a, a big opportunity to 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 win. And 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 I think the key is to maintain. Um, they're forming in the Serie A and, and, and try and knock uh, Juventus off that uh, top spot. Paolo, going into this season, you know, obviously you, you've played there. What would they've uh, wanted the most? The Italian title or mm. a huge success in the Champions League if they had to? Yeah, I think, I think the Italian title, I think everyone is so sick in Italy of Juventus uh, dominating uh, Serie A and, and, and again almost before the season started uh, winning it um, you know Inter did uh, uh, break their transfer record with the, with the, the signing of, uh, of Lukaku uh, Conte has uh, spoken a few, on a few occasions about uh, uh, the need to invest more to bring uh, better players um, and, and, and have more depth in the squad and I think Probably, uh, given uh, everything and 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 
what sort of happened in with Inter over the past couple of years. There'll be disappointment that that they had that opportunity uh, to go through to the next stage of the Champions League, but the fact that they are a strong team, um, they're scoring goals in Serie A, and they are at the top uh, of of, uh, of the competition right now. Um, you know, I I don't think that going out of the Champions League is going to have that uh, effect that okay. you know that ma- that possibly could have been there uh, previously. Do you, th- do you think they'll win the league? Look, uh, Juventus are still favourites. Um, when you look, if we talk about squad depth, uh, Juventus has cl- probably got close to two players per position, two you know real quality players per position. Yeah, we Inter when they have a few injuries, uh, they bring in good players, but players that um, you know probably aren't uh, right now at the level to uh, um, you know to to perform consistently well. So. Uh, as it stands, I, I think um, they'll certainly be there, uh, uh, you know, close to, to Juventus. It'll be a question of uh, also how deep Juventus go in, in, in the Champions League competition um, and obviously when they play uh, each other uh, in the, the back half of the season. Oh, yeah, that'll be an absolute massive one. Hey, uh, Barca, without Messi, rested for the first time since 2011. Uh, symbolically, that was that's a Big win for them um, because Ernesto Valverde has been under lots of pressure through the season, but inevitably they're still top of La Liga. And funny enough, I was asked for uh, you know who might win the Champions League, and I'm looking through it going before Liverpool had genuinely qualified, and I went, actually, if I had to pick someone, I'm still going to pick Barcelona. It's it's a pretty significant little milestone for them today, winning without Messi. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't pick it myself. Um, you know, I still think they got issues. Um, you know, we, we saw, even though they, you know, some of the youngsters played well, um, they didn't control much of the first half, but uh, a few changes in the second half, uh, you know, they were good on the counter-attack. Um, I think defensively, they're still a little bit weak. Testegen is, is a top quality mm. keeper, and he's bailed them out a, a fair few mm. times. Um, you know, so, you know, a lot of it relies on Messi, and we saw today Griezmann non-existent uh, even though today he was uh, supposed to be the focal point you know without Suarez without Messi you know he, he was the star player on a, you know a lot of money barely got a touch um, as soon as Suarez got got on in the second half he made a difference straight away set up the the, the winning goal was always creating something or getting a free kick uh, you know just being a hassle and and Griezmann didn't make a difference um, so so I see still some some issues there that I can't get myself to 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 call them favourites. Way off. It's all about Messi. When you got Messi, of course you have a chance. Mm-hmm. You know for sure. Yeah. Look, he's uh, yeah. For how many years now has he been? Um, you know the best player on the world, and 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 only on the weekend he, he gets another hat trick. Mm-hmm. Um, so with any team that has Messi in there, you yeah you'd be crazy not to not to have them as uh, as favourites, but. We have seen over the past couple of seasons that at that very, very top level, Champions League level, um, you need to have also, um, well, you need to be more resilient. And uh, I agree with Tom and I, I, Thomas. I, I still see some deficiencies there defensively, um, which they, they need to, uh, to sort out. Um, and if they can do that, well, we all know what they offer in midfield and, and going forward. Mm. And... Uh, Again, that's going to be a challenge for Valverde. Um, that when that time comes, that uh, you know, that he can manage to bring the best out of uh, of his players. Yeah, that'll be the making or breaking of him. Um, Borussia Dortmund and Ajax into the Europa League. Reaction to that? I'm, I'm, no. Hang on, I've just said Borussia Dortmund to the Europa League. I'm, I've been up since early this morning. That's Borussia. D- <laughs> Rewind the tape. The question then is Borussia Dortmund. What, halfway through the game, Paolo, we looked at each other and went, could Lucien Favre, could he be in a bit of trouble here? Because I know they're still in contention in the Bundesliga, but um, there's been a few doubts about whether he's the man to take them forward. Suddenly they're into the next phase of the Champions League. (laughs) That's a massive fillet for them and a massive fillet for him because, you know, you're genuinely sitting there and, and, you know, we're not trying to be sensationalist, but there would have been those question marks had they been dropped out into the next into the Europa League. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it just goes to show you how quickly things can change um, and, and you know, moments decide uh, uh, decide football games. And, and lucky for uh, Lucien Favre, they 
uh, got back into the game, um, winning 2-1 and uh, uh, secured their uh, their spot in, in, into the next round. And, uh, you know, the Bundesliga is becoming uh, a competition that uh, is is you know, very hard to win. And, and you see a number of teams other than uh, Bayern, who normally are the favourites uh, for the Bundesliga every year. So uh, the pressure would have been... Well, would have I, I still think it's on him. Yeah. Um, but it would have increased uh, enormously had uh, Dortmund uh, um, not gone through. I tell you what, Jaden Sancho. If that's a man who's been um, out of favour at Dortmund and looking to leave, geez, he's got pretty good character then because he's not not just a damn good player, but he's hit back in some stuff. His transfer fee's not going down. That's for sure. <laughs> no, he uh, he gets on the end of a. The, the first goal and obviously uh, scores um, and then he sets up the the second so so he, he's definitely you can see sort of going forward he on the ball you know he, he's got a great uh, vision for for passes and and then and then his one-on-one abilities is obviously second to none so you know he's uh, I'm sure on the on the <laughs> most wanted list uh, around around Europe but it was a tight game you know I thought Slavia Prague were, were brilliant um, you know Berkey has to you know he had four huge four huge saves uh, to, to keep them in it and they looked a bit shaky at the back and you know were really in trouble for, for a lot of the game so uh, you know I think they got away with one and, and I think the manager is pretty yeah. relieved I'm not sure we're talking a, we're not talking a contender here are we? Yeah look you, you never know they certainly um, at home normally um, you know they're very very uh, a very very tough team to beat they have you know great support um, but uh, if you look at uh, you know, how they have had their struggles and, and their inconsistencies. I think that's the biggest issue is the fact that n- not that we, c- we can question whether or not they're a good team or whether they can beat uh, some of the big, the, the big teams because I think, I think they can. They are a, a good team. It's that inconsistent form that they have shown uh, throughout the, the season thus far in the Bundesliga question, makes you question whether or not um, they can go further in this competition. Look, I'm absolutely stunned that Ajax are out. Like, semi-finals from last year, they played some dazzling football through the season – on the weekend, Eric Tanheg called their performance unacceptable in the Eredivisie where they lost 2-0 at home. And you wonder whether then they've hit a bit of a road, hit a roadblock coming into this game and uh, blank again at home to Valencia. Um, two-part question, are you equally as stunned? And B, can they bounce back and you know go on and claim a Europa League title? I, of of course, you can only be stunned from you know everything that happened last year. You know, I know they've they've lost some obviously some marquee players, and and uh, you know that's you know that's the name of a game when you're in a smaller league. Um, but but again, they they still got the good enough the good enough team. They they went a you know perfect position, ten points, in all in their own hands, and uh, just haven't haven't produced. Um, you know, again today, that's you know plenty of chances. Didn't 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 get the goal, and um, you know it's, it's it's a worrying sign. It's a fall from grace from from last year. They were they were the you know darlings of Europe, and and then suddenly now it's a little bit of a. So it'd be interesting to see how they react now because there'll be uh, a lot of criticism. Do the vultures start circling <laughs> as early as January? But not just for the players, because Eric Tanheg that was the big call that he would go to. He's Bayern Munich's choice. Um, uh, things haven't gone so well since that early bounce back under Hansi Flick for Bayern. So, are we talking a January? Could the upheaval start as early as January? I think the vultures have already been circling, um, and I wonder. I question whether or not uh, some of those uh, young, talented players, um, whether or not they're getting right sidetracked a bit here, and their focus has sort of shifted away from their, you know, their the objective and what they're actually doing because. Uh, to lose at home uh, against Willem Twey, um is, to me, probably says that something could be going on uh, in, in the background. And, uh, look, you know, they started uh, match day six of, of the Champions League two points uh, on top. And the fact that they couldn't manage a goal at home, um, knowing that that's all really they needed was a, was a point, Uh is very very surprising, and um, you know I I wouldn't uh, uh, rule out some January sales now, um, you know, off some of those players um, uh, because they're out of the the Champions League. And I think also as a, as a player, you know, you, they've seen Delict go, mm. they've seen the young go for a huge amount of money, 
And and I agree with you a little bit, it, and especially now when they're out of the Champions League, you know, it'll be hard for some of the Van der Beek or, uh, you know, you know, see again. Mm. It'll be hard for these players to then you know stay focused because again they they'll have, you know, there'll be a- the agents in their ear and you know and they'll know of interest from other parties, and again, do do Ajax then cash in? Do they say okay now that you know a, a great stock now? Are we just going to sell them now and, and see, see what happens and then build for next year? Or, you know, so it'll be interesting to to follow in January. Yes, but, and the coach and the manager. Yeah. Uh, because we talk about dominoes with Ancelotti, Pochettino. It says not only who is the best candidate, but can you get in before another rival comes in and gets them? So absolutely fascinating stuff there. Rightio, then give us an answer. Ajax did not go through. Chelsea did. Um, that was in their hands against Lille. And everyone probably suspected it would be Chelsea and Ajax that would go through. 
it hasn't been uh, the the usual Man City that we've been yeah we've seen over the last yeah. couple of years. You couldn't have tipped actually for them to drop off to this extent. Everyone talks about the Jose Mourinho three years, but this is the Pep Guardiola four years. Yeah, look, I still think he's the best manager in the world. Um, and right now, they, they are uh, probably not at their best. Um, but the the bar that they set is so high. Um, and the fact that they've been consistently uh, one of the best teams, uh, um, you know, in in Europe, in, in the premiership, um, you know, people are, are going to be very quick uh, when the results aren't going well, and, and rightly so, because... Uh, that expectation is for Man City to you know, win every week and and uh, be coming for and, and and winning the Premiership and th- that's not the case at the moment. But uh, you know, for me, I think the pressure of uh, what Liverpool's uh, created for them um, can't be underestimated. The fact mm-hmm. that Liverpool every week and and we've mentioned it uh, once again this morning, they weren't at their best, but they they won and that's. Uh, happened on a number of times uh, this season, and I think mentally that's had a, that's having a bigger a big effect uh, um, on Man City. The fact that um, Liverpool just you know aren't slipping up and 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 um, don't look like that that's going to happen. In a word, can you can either of you see Manchester City winning the Champions League? Oh yeah, you know I think uh, you know. They'll get players back. I think. Yeah, I don't know what the you know schedule is for Laporte, but I think he's hugely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's hugely important. Um, you know, if they, if they can get him back, so they still got obviously a, a tough Christmas period, but but Champions League is in February, so there's still some time. Dinamo Zagreb. That's Thursday morning. They travel there for for their final Champions League game. They're through, of course, Manchester City, and then Arsenal on Monday morning. So. Uh, it's a nice, nice game to try to get a pick me up huh, for Manchester City. No, I shouldn't say that. It could both teams have a lot to prove. The result, if Leicester 2016 played Leicester 2019, would be a bit of a fun one. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's I think too a little bit different. Uh, a little bit. Uh, I think the 2016. Um, I think you know we're. Very like a little bit physical with Morgan and Huth at the back. <laughs> Huth, uh, you know, very physical, very back to front, uh, very direct. I think they got more about them now. I think they're they're a more complete team. Uh, I think Brendan Rodgers has, has done a, a great job there. Casper uh, Michael, I think, is 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 on another level than he was in sixteen. Even though he was good back then, um, so I would still think that the nineteen will probably uh, you know beat them. Speaks volumes. Speaks volumes about what Brendan Rodgers has done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't see any reason um, uh, why people doubted or, or, or should be doubting him a, 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 as a manager. Um, you know, he nearly won the premiership uh, with Liverpool, and only for a few or one crazy moment. Um, uh, you know, he, he was very, very close. Um, you know, to doing that, and and. Um, you know the style of football is is um, is what impresses me, and um, you know he he has some good players. He's got a world class finisher in in, in Jamie Vardy, um, but when you compare his team to Liverpool and Man City, he doesn't have world class players yet. He's playing mm. uh, a style of football that's uh, just as pleasant to watch as a Liverpool as a as a Man City. So yes, he deserves a um, a lot of credit. Do I think they're going to be there? Uh, at the end of the year, still uh, challenging Liverpool? No, but not so that they'll be second, but not challenging, or they'll drop down the places. I th- drop down. I don't think they'll drop out of the, the the top four, the Champions League zone. I just don't think that they're going to um, maintain that consistency yeah. or this consistency of results. Um, you know, to keep them. Uh, as close as what they are now to Liverpool. And you know, I said this last week, even if they don't, just to think for a second that Leicester are back in the Champions League would be something that I bet their fans would not be taking for granted for one moment because they thought a couple of years ago that was their one flash in the pan fairy tale and, and now they're back. So credit to them. The reason why they might be back is obviously some of those changing of the guards at United, at Arsenal, at Tottenham. Tom, to you, Solskjaer beating Mourinho and Guardiola in the space of a week was... Amazing, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you know, it's it's, you know, I think they needed it. I was needed. Oh yeah, yeah, needed. Uh, it's probably the better word. 
you know, it, it's um, you know, he had a he has had a tough spell. You know, they obviously had injuries. Uh, you know, it looks like Pogba is, is is coming back now. So if he can sort of uh, get him um, on 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 the on, on the right page, yeah, you know, he's a great asset. So um, you know, I, I think they they just needed for the confidence. You know, they, they they've been up and down, inconsistent, um, and not really in the big games come up with the goods, and and then these two results, it's something that can uh, kickstart their season. Uh, really, um, it gives him tenure. Um, yeah. But you mentioned Pogba, so obviously they're really electric. We saw that on the counter attack. Mm. Can they take that next step? I mean, you've I think at the last time you did the Europa League with us, you watched a we saw a pretty turgid. This demonstration of what happens when teams sit back and make United play. Can he take them to that next level, even this year? You know, it's still a, for me. It's still a a, a work in progress. I, I think he's still, you know, still trying to find. But I think what what this week has shown that they they're sort of starting at least in these two games have shown some identity. They've shown some, you know, some sort of structure and, and some sort of plan. You know, where you know in some games they've looked like one team and the next game something different um, and, and again I'm just interested to see how he's going to fit Pogba in you know because he, he is a you know for to me sometimes he's a bit of a frustrating player because he you know he's got a lot of pace he's very dynamic but a lot of times he, he takes the pace out of a game and he, he sort of just goes into this sort of slow motion so it'd be interesting to see you know if he can get him running box to box because he's you know he, you know, you've seen him these great runs, and he can score goals as well. But I, you know, he just doesn't do it enough from my from my point of view. Paolo, to a different topic to round out this segment, I've got a tough one for you. I've thrown you a, a big bone here um, with James Johnson being announced as the new FFA CEO. I want to know if you had a magic wand for him, what would your three wishes be for him as the new FFA CEO? I've got two. Uh, the first one would be. Uh, find out or investigate or, or fix the fact that uh, it costs so much. It's, it's expensive for uh, kids to, to play football. That would be the first one. And the second one would be, um, like most uh, countries around the world, I think we need an under-15s, an under-16s, under-17s, 18s, 19s, uh, 20s, 21 and obviously a 23s uh, national team of every age group. At the moment we only cater for uh, three age groups really um, and we miss out the development at international level for boys in between um, those age groups and, and uh, I think that's something that has already sort of been um, highlighted and spoken about whether or not that will ever be possible given that it takes an enormous amount of uh, you know, resources and, and uh, financial investment. Um, but it's certainly a, an area that, um, you know, that I would be advising that we, we need to uh, fix. You know, I, I think from a foreign perspective, uh, for, for me, you know, I agree with, with Paolo. I think, uh, you know, football needs to be at the forefront. You know, forget all the politics. You know, I, there's been too much going on, too much been sidetracked. And development, you know, th- that's, that's where, you know, get everyone, unite every club in Australia um, with, you know, again, find a a price structure, find a, you know, go down to grassroots. Again, we we need, in my view, the whole, the whole, you know, we need kids playing for all year round, not just six months. You you, you need, you know, you need to sell that football is actually one of the biggest sports. You know, these kids should be playing a lot more because, you know, everywhere else they are. So it's, and, and the ultimate goal should be for every club, every coach to contribute to develop players for the Socceroos or for, you know, for the Matildas. Or, and, and to me, there's just too much going on, too much self-interest. If it's not in my interest, I'm, I'm not going to like it. Or, you know, yeah, make it more affordable, put a lot of money into coaching, you know, get better coaches. So I think there's a lot of, but you just need someone at the top who's a driving force and who's putting football first and forget about everything else. Let's hope that happens. And look, how long you've been here, what, three, four, four years. years? And you've observed that, that, that? That's pretty telling. I'll give you a third wish, Paolo, the money to do those things. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> he said what? 
Uh, do I say it? Yeah. Good evening. Good evening. Now, I had to pick this one out because there's continued rumours that um, Unai Emery is a contender for the Everton job, which is which would be a great bounce back from him. But the, the report I saw in The Athletic said that Unai Emery was reportedly aware how he was mocked, not just in the press, but possibly even amongst his playing group. And um, But his retort to that is that he didn't think many English managers would dare venture abroad like he did. With that in mind, and also with the success comparatively to that that Ange Postacoglu had in Japan, where he clearly didn't speak the language either and relied on on translators and different types of messaging, I'd love to know how big a role uh, communication and language and that kind of messaging has in a football dressing room. We've got players' perspective, coaches' perspective here, um, because... They say that one of the things Emery did is he struggled to get his message across. Uh, Bakayusako, he said recently, sometimes when the manager Emery is trying to communicate with me, I don't understand what he's saying. So Freddie Lundberg speaks on better English and it was great that he's on the training ground. I'd love your guys' thoughts on this. At the end of the day, it still falls on him. You know, uh, you know it, it's been done by a lot of other managers. And it, and it's for you, at the end of the day, it's in your interest for your message to get across. And, and if it if it doesn't, you've you got to find a way. I think Postacoglu has, has had translators. I think when Mourinho first took over, there was, you know, translators there as well. And um, learn a language. Like, you've got to do, you know, put, put some effort in. And uh, the last thing you want to do is, is you know, like the, the things that come out that you get undermined and, and you, you know, sort of, you got players laughing in a corner and, because then you lose all respect, and 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 to me, he he doesn't, you know, he comes across as maybe too nice, you know, uh, and it's easy to take advantage of a person like that when when he's just too polite and and you know probably to the players as well, and and uh, he might have not been the right sort of personality to to make that crossover. Yeah, look, I th- I could can only imagine how difficult it would be for him. Um, you know, certainly, my experiences as a player when you, when you go and play in a country and you, and you don't immediately uh, understand the language and, and can't communicate like like uh, uh, you want to, and that's as a player. I can only imagine how difficult it would be as a as a manager. And uh, whilst he had, um, yeah, he had the basics of English, but I just think that probably at certain times, certain moments, um, when things haven't been going well for him at Arsenal. Um, I think there the importance of of uh, uh, really being able to speak the language um, becomes even more important. And you know, when things are going well, um, probably no one would even care that the fact that the the, the manager's English wasn't great. But the fact that um, his time as manager of Arsenal it, it was a struggle. And it was always going to be a struggle uh, replacing Arsene Wenger. Um, I think for me, it's a, a bit of a, an easy cop out, an easy excuse to, to blame the fact that uh, um, you know his English wasn't perfect. I think some of those Arsenal players uh, need to have a good look at themselves and, and take responsibility because uh, when things like that happen, it's not only the fault of the manager; it's everyone in the organisation. Well, that actually links quite interestingly to the next point, which is something that Alan Pardew said in some media rounds during the week. He was talking about the role of WhatsApp and he was saying now when players are leaving the training ground, they're not leaving the training ground, they're WhatsApping each other and it's now toxic and spreading throughout the whole group, bringing people in. You can imagine Emery leaves training and, and if there is that discontent in the group and whatnot, some of the things that are being said, some of the things that are being said now perhaps in the Everton you know, group. Now, I'd love to know how that changed as your careers go on and, and what you think of those statements. You know, again, it, it's really how you look at it. Um, you know, it's always going to be toxic uh, if things are not going well, but but so is the dressing room, with or without, you know, WhatsApp. You know, I've also seen dressing rooms where it's been it's been a great thing because it's it's united, especially you know, united a dressing room because you you know you can organize things and uh, so it can also be used as a good tool. But but yeah, social media has has definitely totally changed the game and. Uh, uh, you know, it's sadly it's it's there to to stay, and and you gotta adapt to it. You just gotta make sure again that the the big voices in the dressing room that they are, you know, as a manager they're on your side, and and they're they're the driving forces, and they set the the culture because if they control the chat rooms, call it that, or WhatsApp, then um, you know it, it'll still be in a proactive or sort of like a pro. Uh, atmosphere, but yeah, I can I can see it. If you get the wrong people there, then uh, it can be very toxic. 
Oh, here's a good yarn. All right, this is one for you, Paolo, because your old teammate, he's now Porto coach, Sergio Conceição. Look, I don't go through the Portuguese papers too often, but what they're saying is that during halftime of his side's game with Belenes, I hope I said that right, on the weekend, he uh, punched Pedro Ribeiro during halftime and police have identified them uh, since. Um, he was a pretty feisty character. What, what was he like? Uh, you got a good, few good stories from him from back in the day? Yeah, look, uh, no surprising uh, to, to, <laughs> to hear that if it is uh, um, uh, true. Uh, I, I think... Um, Sergio is feeling uh, the pressure a little bit, um, purely uh, based on the fact that uh, results this season haven't been um, perfect or haven't been great. Uh, the fact that they didn't uh, um, qualify for the for the Champions League and and, and went into the Europa League, where um, you know they probably weren't accustomed to to, to being in. Uh, he's certainly uh, a very passionate person. He he was like that as a player. Um, I remember in a training session uh, he. Uh, had a clash with uh, his Portuguese uh, countryman, Fernando Couto, who was also fiery on the field, but off the field was, you know, the nicest guy that uh, um, that you'd want to meet. And Roberto Mancini had to actually step in and, and separate the two. Um, so, yeah, he is uh, very, very, again, passionate and, and, and a fiery character. And, uh, um, again, if it is true, uh, no surprise to see, uh, um, you know, Sergio try and um, <laughs> throw his weight about. Well, he's got a big week coming up because uh, Porto are not through by any stretch of the imagination in the Europa League. They play Feyenoord, they host Feyenoord. Uh, they're in second spot. They're in pole position, but that group with Rangers, Young Boys and Feyenoord is really tasty and really tight going into Friday's game. So that is definitely one to watch, as will his behaviour on the sideline. So that's the Europa League on Friday, one of the key games to watch. Thursday, of course, the whole suite of games in the Champions League. Not as much on the line as was today, but still... Lots of second place in Europa League places to jostle for Manchester City. They go to Zagreb, as I said earlier. They're the early game with Shakhtar Donetsk against Atalanta. So those three other teams have so much to play for. Um, Bayern Munich against Tottenham Hotspur. A battle between seventh in the Bundesliga and the Premier League. But we'll be interesting to see if Tottenham are playing to bounce back from that 7-2 or whether Mourinho looks to just move on rest players for a busy month ahead. Olympiacos and Red Star Belgrade, of course, playing for that third place. And Atletico Madrid, Madrid still need to get the job done against Lokomotiv Moscow. Juventus are obviously through when they play Bayer Leverkusen. Um, massive week on Friday with the, with the Europa League. And then we go into the weekend's action. Full suite of games of the Premier League. It doesn't stop. It really doesn't stop from now to the end of the calendar year, really. Liverpool kick it off at 11.30pm on Saturday night when they go and host Watford, uh, the 2am fixtures, Burnley, Newcastle United, Chelsea, Bournemouth, Leicester, Norwich City, Sheffield United, Aston Villa and Southampton at 4.30 host West Ham, two teams who are surprisingly low on the table and both will be desperate for three points. Things heat up on Sunday when Manchester United host Everton at 1am, Wolverhampton against Spurs, that's a really interesting match up there before climaxes 3.30am, Arsenal against Manchester City. Gents, let's conclude by having a quick tip of that one and what you're looking forward to because that's two clubs with Arsenal and Manchester City with plenty still to prove. Yeah, look, uh, from Arsenal's point of view, they'll uh, um, yeah, they'll want to uh, to get uh, a win there. Um, you know, Freddie Lundberg, uh, from what I can understand from all his interviews, uh, would love to get uh, the position um, full time. So he, like uh, uh, many of his uh, of his players, are actually right now under the microscope. Um, could the new manager uh, be watching from the outside? Uh, if he gets good results, uh, will he stay until the end of the season and the club waits before making a, um, or confirming a, a new coach? Uh, so, yeah, a lot to play uh, for Arsenal. Um, Man City, well, you know, you at the moment you sort of go, well, uh, if they lose here, then, you know, that's probably, you know, it for them if it's not already already that, so... Uh, tough, tough game away at the Emirates for uh, Man City. Yeah, no, um, I, th- I think Man City still got too much for for Arsenal. I think it'll be be interesting to see, you know, from how poor they were against West Ham in the first half, oh. where, where you, you you were you know sitting there saying all oh, Arsenal and and Jungberg hasn't made a difference, mm. and then something happened in the second mm. half, and and they actually turned it around. But to me, 
you know, I want to see it against yeah. the Man City side. Yeah. And I think they need it and Jungberg need it for his future. So if they can pull it off, you know, that'll be a tremendous result, even at home, uh, as the, um, you know, where they are at the moment. So it'd be very interesting, but I still think that uh, even though City hasn't been fantastic, I still think they've got enough to um, to do a job on, on Arsenal. Who do you blokes think should get the Arsenal job and will it happen this season or at the end of? Put you on the spot. Yeah, look, I, I to be honest, I don't think uh, they'll appoint um, someone now. Uh, is that because the manager that they want for next season currently holds a position somewhere else and, and, and they probably can't get them right now? Or the fact that uh, they genuinely want to see uh, if Freddie Lundberg, who is you know, an Arsenal mm. um, ex-player and, and, and knows uh, uh, the club inside out, if he actually has uh, the, 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 the ability to, uh, to coach in the premiership. But also, I also think that it, it needs probably a, a bigger review because in my, in my view, when you look back at the last four or five years, you know, that there's something that's gone wrong with their recruitment as well. And, and how much that's down to the manager, I'm, I'm not sure. They obviously got people, um, you know, sporting director and everything else that, that's part of that. Um, and, and they just haven't been able to identify the right kind of players, in my view. You know, they, 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 you know again, other teams like Liverpool... You know, have been able to and have turned it around. Club has come in and um, and and made a huge difference. Uh, and and whoever's been in charge in Arsenal, you know, on the pitch, off the pitch, you know, haven't done it. Uh, and and something. So one thing is a manager. Another thing is is the overall philosophy of the club. I think needs a, a little bit of a re- revamp as well. That it certainly does, gents. That review of the day is over. Thanks for your company. Thanks for a great morning, Paolo. We'll see you soon. Thomas, we'll see you Thursday morning. Yes. Brilliant stuff. And everyone out there as well, so much football to enjoy on Off the Sport. So as ever, until the next Gag and Pod, enjoy your football. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.